0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I feel like we were just chatting. I love these weeks where it's two episodes. And today's episode is with Vicki and Brian. They are divorce lawyers. And it's an episode I had been putting off airing for a little bit because I... Obviously, reveal personal information that I have not okayed with my husband. If I could reveal, but you know what? That's what he gets for not coming on the podcast and being a guest. So, yeah, we talk about prenups. We talk about some other things that are really important to know before getting married and finances and all of that stuff. Before we get into that, I'm going to answer a few of your. Questions and then we will get right into it. So, this is really interesting. Somebody said dating before you are happy with yourself. Should you wait or just go for it? And my thought is that you should go for it. But I was like, maybe my thoughts are rooted in, you know, being a serial monogamist. And maybe that's not fair to say. Maybe people do really need to do work on themselves. I mean, obviously, it's there's nothing bad about doing work on yourself before going into a relationship. And it is really crucial. However, I feel like if we all waited if until we felt perfect at self-love or perfect at happiness before entering any sorts of romantic relationships, we'd be alone forever because we all have parts of ourselves that we're gonna never be okay with. And it reminds me of this program that I'm involved in for being sober. And on the walls of some of the rooms and the meetings, it says, um, we will love you until you can love yourself. And that is so sweet and so meaningful. And I feel like that's like a really interesting part of dating. It's like, You're never going to love yourself completely. You're never going to be 100% ready for kids. Who knows if you're ever going to be really ready for marriage. You just kind of do these things and you just take the risk and then you figure it out. And if we all looked back and we were like, oh my God, like, was I really ready for this? Like the answer is probably no. And the bottom line is you're worthy of love right now no matter how difficult you might think that you are, no matter what you're dealing with, if you have like debt to pay off, if you are still not 100% confident, if you haven't gone, like hit your goal weight, whatever it is, right? If you're not in the perfect career, the person who's going to love you, will they love you a little bit more if your life is this amazing thing? Sure, maybe, But if you feel like you are somebody that you would date, that's when you date, if that makes any sense, right? Like I always say when somebody's being so judgmental and on their high horse about people they're dating, I'm like, well, would you date you? Like, would you feel all of the good feelings. If you were dating somebody that had the habits that you have, maybe if like you jewel all the time, or would you want to date someone who jewels all the time? Like this kind of stuff. And that's the only thing I would look at when dating, but it's really true. And I actually found something on the internet that really blew my mind because of how true it is. It said there are three types of relationships, only three. Number one, this person is good for you. You want to be a better person for this one. They make you better and improve your life. Number two, this person is middle ground. Neither a plus nor a minus. You enjoy their company and you are no better or worse for it. And number three, this person is actively ruining you. The longer you stay in this relationship, the worse you will be. For one or more likely several reasons. So... This is so interesting because obviously we want number one, right? We want to seek a relationship that's going to make you better. If you are completely and perfect, like, and nothing else could make you better because you are just so amazing and you love yourself perfectly and you're so great in your career, then you're probably going to end up with number two, you know, this mediocre relationship. But you really want to be with someone who makes you better, who's good for you. And you can only be made better if you have some improving to do. So think about that next time you're being told that you have to be completely happy with yourself before you go into a relationship. Think about the fact that you could be better as a result of being in a relationship if it's the right person. Ironically, somebody asked about misalignment in finances. They said, you've hinted you're more of a spender and Stephen is more of a saver. And then they said, same, lol. Yes, this is very true. I am more of a spender and he is more of a saver. But when it comes to big spends like homes and vacations and things like that, we are always in agreement The thing with me spending is like I have always had the kind of taste where I'd rather get one expensive item that I have forever than like five smaller items that like I'll get sick of or are trendy or like I'll disregard. And I'm not always perfect at this, but that is the way that I think about it. And Steven is pretty much on board. I mean... He obviously wishes that like I would spend less, but it's what's so important, and you'll hear this in this episode, is just being transparent with each other about finances. You're, you don't have to always be on the same page, but transparency. And then, as Vicky says, have your own credit card because you can. And if you make money that you want to spend and you don't want to have judgment then you should very well be able to do so because you are a boss bitch. Oh, I also want to tell you guys one story from our trip. So basically, we really wanted to go to... We were staying at this hotel in St. Raphael and we really wanted to go to this beach club in Cannes. And it's very exclusive and it's really hard to get in. And our wonderful travel agent, who's also my friend, could not swing it because we did book a trip a little bit late. And it was just really hard. Like, it's really hard to get in touch with this club at all because a lot of French people, like, they don't even answer their phones. They're very much like, it's exclusive. And we really wanted to get in. And I had heard years ago, my gay besties went. And they were like, it was the talk of the town. They were like... Elton John was there with David Beckham and it was the best day of our lives and it was so like lush and european and and so we were like oh my god we have to go. Well I was like we have to go and I was convincing Steven to go on this journey an hour away from our hotel to Con to try to get into this place. We went to we like when we first arrived we asked our the concierge about it and he was like I texted them. They didn't answer. There's no way you're going to get in. There's just no shot. There's no chance. Like, you shouldn't waste your time and go all the way there because you're not going to get in. And you should not even try. And just, like, imagine that in a French accent also. And we were like, oh, like, that's a bummer. Like, Stephen was like, yeah, like, we're probably not going to get in. And I was like, no, we are. Like, if there's anything that I know for a fact, it's that I'm an amazing Trespasser and bullshitter. And I can, like, I just don't take no for an answer. And so I was like, We're getting in. I don't care. That's what we're doing. Like, for example, once we were in Miami and I really wanted to get into this place that my parents used to have an apartment at. It's like a complex because they have this amazing pizza. And I was like, We need to get in. And they were like, Sorry, you can't get in. And we, waited for somebody to open the door and snuck in and sat and got the pizza. So like, I don't take no for an answer. So we take a car to Cannes like that morning. And it's like an hour away. And we're going to try to get the ferry because the ferry is free and it comes to like the harbor in Cannes, the port, and you can get on and it takes you to La which is the beach club. But La is kind of like on its own island. It's like a, you know, private island in the middle of the ocean. And so this tender, like this boat takes you there. But then if you can't get in, like you have to leave the island. Like you can't just like linger. It's like when you go on like a gondola or something and you go to the top of mountain, like you have to like, have somewhere to go or like you have to you know be able to go down the mountain otherwise you take the gondola back and so we get to the island and we're like we don't have a reservation obviously we had arrived with these women who did have a reservation and they go in front or we're in front of them which is like so awkward and they're like so what's your reservation under and we just make it up and like totally bullshit and we're like oh it's under green and he's like I don't see it here and we're like oh our hotel like our hotel must have messed it up And he's like, okay, well, like, I'm sorry, we're all booked. And so that was like the guy who was in charge of the day bed. So he's like, we're all booked. And so we're like, oh, fuck. But we're keeping our cool. We're like, okay, like, we'll go talk to the restaurant. So we go over to the restaurant. And they're like, do you have a reservation? We're like, yeah, we do. It's under green, like same, same shtick. She's like, I don't see it. We're like, oh, the hotel must have messed it up. She's like, okay, well that's too bad. We are fully committed. And at this point, I'm looking over her shoulder, thinking about pretending that we're another, other people entirely with a different name that I see on her list. But then I'm like, nah, it's a little risky. So let me go back to the guy with the daybeds. The women that we had come over on the boat with had sap. And I'm like, listen, like, why don't you just, like give us two beds for now. And then if somebody comes, cause it was like fairly empty. We're like, if somebody comes, we'll get off the beds. You can have the beds back. And like, we'll basically go fuck ourselves. And he's like, I don't want to do that because I just feel bad, like making you pay for the beds and then making you leave when someone comes. Like, it's just not right. I don't want to do that. And that was like morally, you know, sound. And I was like, okay, this guy, respect him, respect him. But I like, take all my money. I don't care. I need to be here at this point. So then I we, I go back to him and I'm like, okay, listen, like, it's fine. Like, just give us the beds. And if somebody comes, then we'll move over to like the couch. There's like this couch, like waiting area. And, and finally, eventually he's like, okay, fine. Then he like gives us beds, lets us choose the beds. All of a sudden like changes his tune and like is like a fan of ours and like is into us and like brings us water and like is so nice to us. And then like an hour or so passes and he's like, so did you get into the restaurant? Like he knows by now that like we are scammers basically. And we're like, no, like we, like they told us they were full. And he was like, well, if you go in like the next 15 minutes, I bet you they could see you now. And we were like, really? And he was like, yeah, try it. So we put our stuff on the chairs. We go and, I, like I go and speak to the maitre d' and I'm like we don't have a reservation clearly like what are the chances that we that you could seat two of us right now and she's like it's ne-. she basically says like it's now or never like you have to be here and ready to sit right the second so I run and I get Stephen, and we're like I'm like we have to sit at this restaurant we have to sit now like it's like not even 1pm but like we have to sit now we'll draw it out like we'll make it like a two and a half hour lunch And that's what we did and it ended up being fine and so great. And like, it's such a scene there, like no one's American. It's like all these Europeans, they have this live band and then they have this DJ and it gets so crazy. And like everyone brings out their different flags of their countries and it's just so fun. So I highly recommend that you do that. But the bottom line of the story is never take no for an answer. Never. And it was the best, one of the best meals we had on our trip. So if you're in that area definitely add that to your list. And you can use my my scheming skills that hopefully will help you too. I can't believe in a week's time from today, we will be wrapping up camp weekend. I'm so excited. It's going to be so fun. We have the most amazing schedule, so many activities. We've worked with tons of brands to donate product, to give a sick gift bag. We have a 90s cover band. We have a white party. We have all this really yummy food. We have a color war. It is going to be so much fun. I seriously cannot wait. I'm like bursting with excitement. We also have three upcoming shows, one in Los Angeles, one in San Francisco, and one in in Austin. The LA show is September 11th. The SF show is September 10th. And the Austin show is November 10th. So make sure you get a ticket. You can go to wemetatacme.com under the events section to get your tickets there. If you have any friends in any of these cities, spread the word. We're also going to be doing live dating app profile consultations. So if you are in any of these cities coming to the show and you want to submit yourself for one of those consultations, Make sure you're staying tuned to our Instagram because we will be giving an opportunity to submit yourself for that, which will be so exciting. And lastly, somebody asked, "How do I stop obsessing about calorie counting slash food?" So interesting because I just listened to an episode of Celebrity Memoir Book Club podcast about Jeanette McCurdy's book. It's called "I'm Glad My Mom Died." And I highly recommend listening to that episode. But in the book, she talks about how obsessive her mom was and made her about calorie counting and how it really ruined her life. And listening to it, you see how detrimental that is and how awful it is to live life that way. And, you know, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. And I feel very lucky that I've never found myself in a Place to calorie count. But I actually do remember at one point years ago, I had gained weight because my weight fluctuates often. And I downloaded like my fitness pal. And it was so honestly like abusive to myself looking at this stuff every day and like logging what I was eating. And I didn't even want to know how many calories anything was. And when I did have that app, I gained weight because I was so focused in on it. And I think the obsession stops when you stop thinking about this stuff, when you stop getting on the scale, when you do it based on how you feel. And maybe that's like how you feel in your clothes, or maybe that's how you feel when you look in the mirror. For me, like working out is a huge thing because I see myself. I see myself in the mirror at all of these workout classes and I face myself and I'm like, am I happy with the way that I look? And if I'm not, then maybe I should be eating less sweets. Maybe I should be eating, you know, but calorie counting is a perfect way to completely hate yourself and honestly gain weight because you're so like neurotic about it that when you're not counting the calories, like you're binging and it's it's not good. So I would say try not to focus on it. Try to focus on intuitive eating and what makes you feel good and it's easier said than done, obviously, but that's really that's really what it is. And it's so funny. And when I was on this trip two weeks ago in France, I was not thinking at all about what I was eating. I was eating bread every day. And it's like, you hear these stories about people who go to Europe and do this and lost weight, truly lost weight because of it. And a big part of that is because of what they put in your food in America. So I think that puts some responsibility on us to like, Maybe not try to finish an entire portion if you know that it's huge at a restaurant. Like take this take the other half home if you want to. or just look at like what kind of food we're putting in our body, not how many calories it is, but just what kind of food it is. Like does it have a million? things, uh, what's it called? Gums in it and things like that. Right. Then like maybe don't eat it. But if it, is it like organic and it's good for you? And when, after you eat it, you feel good, then focus on that. You know, again, I'm not a nutritionist and I'm not the person to tell you what to do. So maybe see one if you feel like you're struggling with this, but that's just something that I picked up that has been helpful to me. And without further ado, I am so excited for you to listen to Vicki and Brian. camp is going to be so much fun, but I'm not going to lie to you. It has been a trip making all of these flyers and printouts because I'm doing this workshop there, but I could not be doing it without issue. Like, I don't know what I would do. I can't create content without it. It is so crucial. Issue is the all-in-one platform that helps you create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials to magazines, catalogs, portfolios, and workshop materials, which is what I'm using it for right now. There's no need for endless scrolling through PDFs. Issue features your creative in an easy to view way on every device. You just make it once and it can be distributed everywhere without reformatting. So to like your whole company or to the people that you're working on a specific project for. And Issue also works seamlessly with tools that you already use, like Canva, which is my Photoshop for dummies, Dropbox, which I use to submit all of my episodes and InDesign, which I'm still trying to figure out how to use. Issue helps creators, marketers, designers, and really anyone who wants to make content that stands out. So if you're like, I want to be better on TikTok or I want to blow up on Instagram, become an influencer and get paid to drink coffee then you should be using issue and manifest that shit. Get started with issue today for free. Or if you sign up for an annual premium account, you can get 50% off when you go to issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code ACME. That's issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code ACME at checkout for your free account or 50% off your annual premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with promo code ACME. Our next podcast partner is a website that I've been using for years. So, work with me here. If you love sushi, if you go to a great sushi restaurant, it's incredible. But if you go to a gas station to get sushi or an airport, which I've been guilty of doing, it's not so incredible. It's all about finding the right sushi. And the same goes for finding a doctor. With ZocDoc, you can find the right doctor for you that's in your network and in your neighborhood. One that makes you feel like you're in good hands, supported, and you're heard, even if you're telling them about your favorite sushi place. ZocDoc is amazing because you can also sort it through which doctors take your insurance, which doctors can see you on the dates that work for your schedule and which doctors are in walking distance of your apartment or home, which is really, really amazing. Like, why would you not be using ZocDoc? It's a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. They have every specialist under the sun. Whether you want to straighten your teeth, fix your achy back, get a mole checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered whatever you're considering doing maybe it's lasik maybe it's just seeing a dermatologist maybe it's botox maybe it's therapy whatever it is millions of people use zocdoc for a reason and i'm one of them it's my go to whenever i need to book and find a quality doctor it's how i found my first therapist it's how i found my obgyn i mean it's everything it's everything and the reviews are so so helpful because you're not going in blindly seeing some doctor that's not going to even show up, which can be scary when you're looking for a great doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Acme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours, which is amazing. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash Acme. ZocDoc.com slash Acme. Well, hello,
2: I'm Katie Maloney, and you probably know me from a little show called Banner Bomber Rolls. I've been labeled all kinds of things, a bitch, a bully, and a mean girl. But there is so much more to a person than what you see on TV. Tune in every Friday as I talk to some of my friends and castmates, celebrities, comedians, medical professionals, and maybe some political figures. And by the time we're done, you're going to love me.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with lawyers and hosts of the Naked Encore podcast, Vicki and Brian. Hey guys. Hey. Hey,
1: Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Vicki.
0: So nice to chat with you. So for everyone listening, we had actually recorded an episode, but it was before I got married. So I felt like we needed to re-record it we covered a bunch of topics but now we're going to cover even more topics so i'm so excited about this i think we should just get right into it with the most quest- like the most asked about topic which of course is prenups but i don't want to spend too long on it maybe like the first few minutes just going over it for people who are so fascinated by prenups like people are so fascinated so we'll start with like the pros and the cons if there are any cons of getting a prenup before you get married.
1: <laughs> well, before we even get into it, I hope you don't mind me asking, but did you or your new spouse sign a prenup? Was that an issue?
0: We did not. And I've never publicly said that on a on a podcast before. <laughs> we didn't. And you know what? Like the laws in New York for the most part like protect us regardless. But neither of us really had like assets going in. It's just something that we decided not to do. And it would have been fine if we did, and it would have been fine if we didn't. Like we could have gone either way, type of thing. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll do post NUP at some point if things change. But we decided, we decided not to.
1: So there was no parental pressure to do so.
0: There was no parental pressure to do so. We just, we decided not to. Well,
1: Vicky, is that Vicky, Is that good advice that you would give somebody?
0: What advice is that? I mean,
1: my
2: prenup or is, no prenup? Well, my I everyone that knows me, you know, whether you want to call me the prenup queen or not, knows that I'm <laughs> going to advocate and educate about prenups because I think it's important to understand what they are and then make a determination as to whether or not they're right for you in your circumstance. So we've laughed. My daughter's six and a half. I've directed her prenup for the last three years. <laughs> it's going to be like it's thick, it's rock solid, it's seventy-five pages, and she's getting a prenup no matter what. That's just how it goes. However, for Lindsay's circumstance, I can't sit here and be like, "You should have." If you were my daughter, you were my sister, you probably would have had a prenup just because of my experience in seeing people go down a rabbit hole when they don't and they get divorced. So, you know, look, I think when I when I talk about prenups, when I've taught it at, at Fordham Law School, when I do five to ten, depending on what month it is you know, before June is the biggest wedding month, generally, before COVID, and we do maybe 20 to 30 the month before. And what I tell most people is an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure, right? So understand that if you don't have a prenup, people, the cons are that the laws of the state where you live and reside will take over. So what does that mean? If one person was doing horribly before they got married and five years later, they, they're worth 10 million. Well, guess what? It's in the pot. If you had a prenup and you exempted what you earned during the marriage, if it was separate, it's out. So that's an, that would be a negative right, for someone not entering to a prenup that got into all this money and has to share it with their spouse that now has cheated on them. Okay. That's terrible. However, the construct of what really people want to know is, I don't, I don't even understand what is a really a prenup? Like You just protect what? Assets during the marriage? No. Let's just quickly talk about what a prenup actually is, right? Not get too technical. Everything you have before the marriage, whether you have debt or assets or income, a dog, a big diamond ring, that's not a wedding or engagement ring, a fancy Lamborghini, that's yours, okay? Whether you get divorced or not and the appreciation of the assets are generally exempt. That's what we like to put in a prenup. What happens with the assets from day one of the marriage through the end of the marriage, whether it's a complaint filed or a separation, is really up to the parties. Half the people say that everything that I earned during the marriage is separate, unless we put it into joint name. The other half say, we'll throw everything in the marital pot. So what you came into the marriage with, that's fair, you should keep, and the increase in value. But anything we earn, we buy, whether it's separate or together with marital monies, that we will divide in the event of divorce. And then there's the other component of death. Which most people don't realize in a prenup, you can put terms about death. So if you're in a happy marriage and everything's going great, are you leaving your spouse something, You know, all of your assets something, or you're waiving your rights to inherit? So those are kind of just the, the, the two important components of what we talk about in educating people about prenups and then the, the other thing is is truly do you have inheritances that are coming to you do you have a business a family business and sometimes those are important assets to protect because they can be commingled with income being derived from them
0: mhm do you think that if prenups were like required there would be less of a stigma about getting a prenup like don't you feel like if prenups are so important. Why are they not required by law at this point? And is anyone making a motion to make them be?
2: Yeah, I love that question. I'm a huge advocate and proponent. I think a marriage contract, albeit a prenuptial agreement or some type of contract where the parties discuss how they want to handle money, how they agree on handling it, keeping it separate or joint. And I think is crucial and important. And I think most people don't do it. So I would love to see some form required. It's like you get a driver's license. You have to take a test before you get your license. There's no test, right? It's not like you're, you're not forced to take a test or create a contract before you get married. I've been talking about that for probably the last 15 years and nobody's really listening. I think in the legal system, it's kind of archaic and they're just used to the way the laws are but we're in a technology world. We're in a world of change. And I agree in, in the fact that we need to continue to educate people and get them like, hyped up. Like You're getting married. This is awesome. But like, also you need to be smart and you need to
0: figure out yeah. what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Brian, have you been married before?
1: I have. I, I've been married 17 years and I went through a very, very difficult divorce, a two-year divorce. And I didn't have a prenup. I was very similar in mindset to how you started this podcast. We didn't have very much. I was, and still am, a true romantic and didn't really believe in them. And that, and, and by the way, and that's being an attorney. I mean, I knew the, down, the pitfalls of not having it. My parents probably mentioned it to me, suggested it to me. I just wasn't having it. And I wasn't even having that conversation.
0: hmm and your divorce was negatively affected because you didn't have one.
1: No, no, not at all. That of all the issues, that wasn't one of them. Our issues were were really of children related and custody related and you know f- funny enough when you go through the divorce and and Vicky can really speak to this, I'm pretty certain that both attorneys on both sides of the table know exactly how that divorce is going to end up both emotionally and financially. Everything in between, I've always thought is pure emotion. So being pro-prenup right now, I think if you could take the emotion out of it and then you could lay out in advance what the ground rules are or what's going to stay with you, what's going to stay or go to your spouse, I think you're going to cut out a lot of the drama and cut out a lot of the emotional Stuff that just muddies the waters.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Legal fees. I mean, look, you have to pay lawyers to fight, and you have a roadmap, and you know what your roadmap looks like, and people can change it at any time. The minute you put something into a joint asset, joint name, it's going to be divided equally, equally most of the time. And then, okay, fine, but at least let you dictate how your assets are divided, not the law. I think right. that's the distinction which most people don't understand.
1: And the other thing is when you're going through a divorce, when it is emotional, I don't believe either party is, is really thinking intelligently or they're not in the right frame of mind to really, or certainly not in the spirit of the marriage in the first place. And they're not in the, you know, it, it's really about protecting themselves as opposed to thinking about well, why did I get into the, why was I, why did we get married in the first place? and What's the fair and equitable position to take? Right. Oh, I think if you could lay that out in advance, you're protecting both parties.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you're in less of an emotion mind, I definitely agree with that. Vicky, are there any cons to getting a prenup? Be honest. I know your team pro prenup, but are there any cons?
2: I think I've, well, certainly I've broken up several marriages And it's not me per se, right? It's representing and advocating for a client when I think, let's say it's the breadwinner that he's being taken advantage of where she is. Marriages don't always happen when you enter into the prenup realm of discussion. So certainly that can break up a marriage, but I think it's for the good in the future. I think sometimes people feel like it's a financial marriage and it's not, a, it's not one of love and emotion when you're bringing it up. So it definitely can damage, I think, the connection between the parties. And certainly that's never the intention. That also can impact, I think, the discussions and the ultimate relationship because I think people think you don't trust them when you ask right. them to enter into a prenup. And I, I think mm. that could, can impact people for a, a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you make a prenup fair to the partner that earns less?
2: I'm a big believer in sweeteners, I call them, and making sure that the less moneyed spouse and the person that doesn't have as much income coming in feels better. So I do it in a couple of ways. The house is the biggest issue for most people. It's the house, it's alimony, and it's possibly if, if the other person isn't leaving them any assets and they die during the marriage, how do they survive? So I like life insurance as a component to make someone feel good if they're in a happy marriage then there's no divorce. They get life insurance. Number two, the house. Because they can't afford a house or spend as much money on on a house because of their income, they get to either stay in the house if there's children or for a period of time, they get a life estate. So some benefit for them. And then alimony, never waiving alimony if you make less. It's to be decided at a later time so that you know you'll have an opportunity to maintain the lifestyle that you enjoy during the marriage after. Mm -hmm.
0: So bottom line for prenups is that we recommend them. And then what about post-nups? Is that a thing that actually happens where people just say like, oh, I'll do it later, you know?
2: I, I think if somebody doesn't enter into a prenup, it's much harder to get somebody to to execute a post after their marriage. There's no leverage, right? You're going to get married. You, you want to talk about how your marriage is going to go and I'm not going to sign it unless we get married and blah, blah, blah. Then once you're married, it's like, eh. It's like kind of goes to the back burner. What I see in my practice is a lot of people after several years, somebody inherits a lot of money and the other person wants that to go into joint name or somebody starts making a lot of money. There's a huge startup. Somebody's just killing it in the media and they say, okay, now I have 10 million and you have zero. And if we get divorced because we're a little rocky, what happens? So that's when somebody would say, okay, listen, let me contact a lawyer. Let's just discuss what a postnup looks like. And it's the same concept as a prenup. It's just the, you're doing it during the marriage.
0: Right. And so that's prenup stuff. We're going to table that. And we're going to go into more pre-marriage, then marriage, then divorce stuff. So, Brian, what do you think Like, are some conversations that you need to have with your significant other before marriage?
1: Well, you just addressed that I think one of the most difficult conversations is the, is the prenup. Mm-hmm. I mean... That's a tough conversation to have, but it really is a critical one. And as Vicky just explained, even if two people are going in with very little combined assets, it's what can come later and setting the ground rules and expectations. So I'd say that's, again, being the most difficult and probably the most needed conversations. Obviously, the other ones are, as the marriage progresses, children. But, Mm -hmm. you know, these are all conversations that are natural and probably already happened. If you're at that point,
2: yeah. And mm-hmm. for me, I can add Lindsay that you know, how are you going to handle finances? Are you are you a Corvette, you know, kind of spender? Or are you a Lamborghini spender? Right? Are you going to save? Or are you you know going to spend all of our money? When I have a child, can we even have a child? Are you going to stay home, or, or or you know, you're going to go back to work? And we're going to talk about a caretaker. How do we budget our money when it's actually coming in? Because so many people don't even create an expense chart and figure out who's going to contribute to the household expenses. So I get into the nitty gritty with people and I wrote a book called the premarital planner. And I feel like people need to sit down and really talk about their roles in the marriage, what's going to happen and when do they want to try to have children figure out who's, you know, how do they handle money? Cause so many people are raised differently, right? I was raised to spend everything. I wasn't raised to save. And I had to learn that, no, you know, it's got to be the 80-20 rule, 70-30 rule. So for me, that was an important component you know, to discuss with my significant other because I, I really you know, didn't know what to do with money. And then how do you invest? A lot of people don't even talk with their advisors, only either the moneyed spouse does. I like when couples say, let's talk to our you know, investment advisor, our broker, every few months together. So I understand what the investments are are we taking risks or are we not, you know, not risk tolerant? And do we have insurance? Are we prote- you know, providing for each other in the event somebody passes away, life insurance and, and health? And, you know, does our automobile insurance look like? What are the costs? Because I see so many people that are stay-at-home moms and sometimes stay-at-home dads now that don't know much about the finances. And that scares me you know, for our culture, because you need to be invested in the marriage, whether you're not making those financial investments, I think being privy to them and understanding them and how your financial life works. So I think those are really important components for people thinking about getting married.
0: 100%. Our next podcast partner is a product that I literally use every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I didn't want to take a million different vitamins. Plus, I can't even remember to do that. And my friend had recommended it. She said that it makes her feel amazing and she actually likes the taste. So I was like, okay. And I started doing it, just one scoop of athletic greens with some water, mixing it up in my cute little athletic greens bottle. I thrown some ice too because I like it extra cold and immediately had more energy and i was like wait how how is this possible it's because when you drink athletic greens you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food sourced superfoods probiotics and adaptogens it's so amazing and you can add it to your breakfast in the morning you could do it like first thing before you work out It actually tastes good. Like I was shocked because I'm just not a greens girl. I just don't like the taste of like these celery juices and gross things. But athletic greens actually taste nice. And it's a really great small micro habit with big benefits. It's just one scoop. And then you pour in some water, like a glass of water, you mix it up, and that's it. And it costs you less than $3 a day to invest in your health. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Acme. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Acme to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. If you're thinking about getting married one day, maybe soon, whenever, couples therapy is an amazing, amazing resource and option for you to do before you get married. And that way you can avoid what Vicki and Brian are talking about, aka getting divorced. It is an amazing thing to do. It just really opens your eyes to your relationship. It helps you work through patterns. And one of my favorite places to do couples therapy is through Talkspace. It's so great because you can sign up online and start therapy the same day as you sign up. So if you're convincing your partner and they're like, okay, I'm open to it, but you know that might change tomorrow, you can run to Talkspace.com and get it set up ASAP. You can also send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform, do video calls, and all of the amazing things that will help you either reach your goal as a couple or as an individual. And as a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com and make sure to use the code ACME to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. Talkspace has supported us for a long time, and we are so grateful to have a partner that talks about mental health, especially a therapist, because... You know how I feel about therapy, guys. That's code ACME and Talkspace.com to get started with your therapist or couples therapist today. What do you think should be the way that you have like split money or whatever during the actual marriage itself? Like, for example, my husband and I, we opened up a an account that is for the two of us, but we still have our individual like, money, if that makes any sense. So what do you think is the best practice for that?
1: Nikki, what do you usually say?
0: <laughs> I know.
2: Yeah. So I always say everybody should have a separate account so that you can kind of have your funny money and go buy your little things that nobody's going to argue about. And then you can contribute what you believe you, know, you want to into the marital account. So you have some freedom to have some separate money and, you know, pay off your credit card or, you know, go get some Botox, whatever it may be. And maybe you don't want to, you know, your spouse or your significant other to be like, you know, what's, what's this? Because there's people that write or are A-type and go through the statements every day saying, what did you spend this on? Da da da. And then there's other people that don't look. So I like a little independence within a marriage and I'm not trying to, I'm not calling it a secret account. I'm just saying an independent account. Yeah. And I, I, I like the way Lindsay, you've created your structure so that you know what, you could do your little thing, go your girlfriends. It's not a big deal. Go buy a dress, but the, your marriage is joint and you have your marital money in one
0: main account. Right. How much do you think should go into the main account of like the money that comes in?
2: So I would look at how your expenses are structured kind of what your total expenses are. And I mean marital. So I look at it in three different components. Shelter is your household expenses. Then we call them Schedule B or your auto expenses. And then Personal C is all your personal expenses, food, clothing, medical costs, and those kinds of things. So you say, okay, if you make $100, I make $100. Let's put 50 in together. Let's put 20, $20 into our own accounts. And then the rest we could either invest Right or save for a rainy day. That's what mm-hmm. I generally say, and and the percentage could change. But I, I think that is a fair way. So if somebody's making a million and somebody's making five hundred thousand, it's fine. If somebody's making much less, well, you know, you, you may want to think about your percentage.
0: Mm-hmm. And what is your current relationship status at the moment, Vicki?
2: Oh, I'm happily married for it'll be going on ten years in August. Mm-hmm.
0: And you have a prenup.
2: Oh yes, it's very thick.
0: <laughs> I
1: don't and think you've ever shared that, Vicky. I don't think you've ever shared that on our podcast. I've tried getting I into have. that, and you. I have. No, I've tried getting into that, and that is you. Every time I bring it up, somehow you change the subject.
2: And listen, you, and it was no. I I I always talk about this. I'm, I look, if I didn't, and Lindsay asked me, and I'm like, they call me the prenup lady, the queen, whatever. Like, to me, then you're a fraud because I'm advocating advocating this. So like I have to, my daughter will, you know what, whoever. So I think what people need to understand is it was the worst conversation that I've ever had to have, even though this is what I do for a living, because it makes the other person think like, oh, you don't trust them. Right. And it was like, no, it's not about that. It is just about, I don't know where we're going to be in our lives. You could leave me, my husband's younger than me. So I use the, the real concept of, Hey, you could, I could be old and gross and you can go leave me. And you know what? That wouldn't be fair that I'm working 10 years longer than you. And I've amassed this wealth and you've amassed this. So we should go our separate ways. So we found a way to get through that. And we're very happy. And we talk about money to me. It's just, and and exactly how I explained to him, how our marriage would go. It has gone that way. And we talk about it. Hey, I want to buy a stock. You want to put in money? I want to put in money. Great. You want it to come from me? Great. I, I try to live like a co, co-mingled unit, although I have my separate money and he has his separate money.
0: Sure. Brian, you had some thoughts on this question we discussed briefly before recording, which is someone asked, what the most common professions that get divorced. What do you think?
1: Well, by far the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. I think the higher profile you are, the more options you have, the more there's a chance to step outside the relationship or the marriage. You know, that famous line is that people are only only as loyal as their options. And, you know, someone sit in the middle of, of Iowa or Ohio or Idaho who's, you know, small town married. Their spouse has a job. They come home. It's just the two of them in this small town. There's probably not much going on. The options are probably very limited. Now you take someone in the music industry who's an entertainer or a performer or an actor. Well, it's a whole different landscape. You know, every day, almost every hour, there's an opportunity. And I think, it. you know, at some point, I think that they're going to, my bet is, is that they're going to take advantage of that situation or at least spread their wings a little bit until they realize what they want. You know, it's a learning process too. Sometimes all that gold doesn't glitter. Eventually they'll come back to what's important. But I think the distractions along the way, the options along the way, create challenges for those
0: so interesting because I like the Iowa example like I'm like I'd be more likely to cheat in that case because I'm so fucking bored there's nothing happening like the you know it's like that's the kind of situation where like you're at work and like the secretary all of a sudden seems attractive but like there's just nothing else happening I feel like that also very much depends on like the strength of your relationship like you know I think we're always going to have options like entertainment industry or not you know like you're always going to continue meeting people and I feel like if you really value what you have at home then like you're less likely to to cheat but I I know that that does make sense that like of course that's the most common profession of people to get divorced I don't know Vicky what do you think
2: I definitely think flight attendants, they're just meeting people all the time. And you know, one flight here, oh, hello. So I definitely think they have a high rate of divorce. And I think bartenders, they're always meeting people at the bar. And if you work in that environment, whether you're interested in in that or not, or that's just really, you're trying to make money, I think the options are plentiful. People drink, they make some bad decisions. Not that it's an excuse, it's a fact. So I, I definitely think those are two sectors that we would see a very high divorce rate
0: hmm So one last prenup-related question. If you marry someone who's significantly more wealthy than you, significantly, is a prenup still advantageous to you? Only if the terms are fair.
2: So you asked the mm-hmm. question earlier, like, how do you make it fair? Well, are you getting... The house, even though it's in separate name, you got to fight for that or a life estate. You have to make sure you're not waiving alimony and that you're going to get something each year in the event of divorce. Are you asking for a percentage of his income or an increase in assets that are acquired during the marriage, even if they're separate? So you have to have a good negotiator on your behalf. Otherwise, absolutely not. The answer is refuse to sign the prenup and see what happens.
0: Mm -hmm. So being a lawyer is like not... The most romantic thing, especially when you're talking about divorces, has your work, you know, either of you, made you more pessimistic when it comes to relationships? I know, Vicky, you're in one, but Brian, like, what about you? Assuming that you're not in a relationship at the moment, but you tell us.
1: No, I don't think it's made me more pessimistic at all. I, I think, if anything, it's got nothing to do with the actual profession or or, or what I do, but rather just age and maturity. You know, I think you're young and dumb, you know, you get into these things and everyone's optimistic and, you know, everything's going to be positive. Everything's going to be great. And then life happens. And then it's how you deal with that. And I think that's the learning curve and you go through life, you get you know, experiences, you get a little bit bitter. And I just think you look at the world a little bit differently as you age.
0: hmm
2: I mean, I could say from my experience, I've learned from what goes wrong in people's relationships and tried to make it more beneficial for me and mine. So that's been actually a positive. I think the stress of divorcing people and negotiating their prenups in like a very difficult time has emotionally impacted me. And I think it it was hard to kind of go home right and not be stressed, but I tried never to take it out on my spouse. It's just, you know, we always would laugh and be like, I'm in the underbelly of hell every day. So how do you get out of it? Because people are miserable and, and don't like each other, right? Love turns to hate. So I think it's just about managing it and figuring out how to learn from people that make mistakes to teach your other clients how not to do that again and also take it home and, 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 and be in a loving relationship because, look, there's nothing better than being happy And when you see people unhappy, it's really sad. So yeah, this is definitely not the easiest profession (laughs) to be in.
1: Yeah, Lindsay, a good stat, and I don't know the answer to this, would be to poll people that went through a first divorce with no prenup and then ask these people as they enter into their second marriage. If they would have one. If they would have one. Yeah. Or did they?
2: well i'm going with 50% say they're going to have a set one on on the second marriage and that's something else that i had written in the book it's like listen your first marriage didn't work out that's great divorce rates go up every time you get married so if you if you're getting married for a second time and you're, the divorce rates about 63% shot that you're probably going to get divorced i would recommend especially if you have children from a prior relationship to actually think about executing a prenup like i just the, the cons don't to me, will be very minimal.
0: Do you think that young love leads to more divorces than anything else?
2: I think dumb love is a problem and probably causes people to divorce without protection
0: more often. Young love though.
2: Yeah. Young, like 20s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Because you're not the same. You're in your 20s. Brian and I talk about this on our podcast, The Naked Uncle, all the time. I'm like, who was I in my 20s? Who am I in my 30s? Who am I in my 40s? You change, you have different you know, interests. You know what, you, your body changes, you have a baby, things change, your personality, your hobbies. It's all, it, it, you don't know, you can't see the future. So I feel like what you loved about somebody in your 20s necessarily won't be what you loved about them in, the, in your 30s. So I definitely think it contributes to the divorce rate for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd love to speak to the attorneys on both sides of that recent marriage from last week, Beckham and Peltz. Uh, yeah. At, oh,
0: hilarious. You know, Brooklyn Beckham
1: and because they're very young and you're talking one side, you know, a multi-billionaire and the other side on the Beckham side, I, I think I read they're worth about half a billion. And, you know, for sure there was a two-way prenup in that. So I would love Definitely. to have gotten that perspective.
0: Definitely. I feel like that's almost the kind of thing where, like, it doesn't even go to, like, Nicola and Brooklyn. Like, it's something so above them that, like, it just gets handled. The corporate merger at that point. Exactly. Like, they just, like, they walk in and, and someone's already signed on both of their behalves. Like
1: well
2: well they'll sign it but it's definitely true because a lot of time it's the generational wealth it's the parents and the grandparents that want to protect the assets the trust and i have meetings with families you know it's not just one person it's like a contingency comes in with you know a ton of wealth and they're like listen this is what we need to protect and you need to protect it and then the the client comes in and she's in like her 20s and she's like yep this is what i'm signing and then they, I talk to them about how they handle it with their spouse because it's so hard. It's uncomfortable. And they're like, listen, my parents won't let me ma- you know, marry this person and they're paying for the wedding unless I sign it. So I always work with them to try to tell them, okay, like, hey, let's have this dialogue. I know it's stressful, but you know what? Sometimes you got to do certain things and this is how you're going to handle it. And you, know, you have to get through it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely think that's, that's something that happens a lot.
0: Would you, if you were in love, let's say both of you are in this situation, you're in love, this is like the person that you want to be with forever. You know, everything's perfect, but they refuse to sign a prenup. They're just like, it's me or the prenup, you know, like, I don't know if anyone's ever said that, but what are you choosing?
1: First marriage. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: You're going for love, Brian. I'm answering your question. Uh, well, I did.
1: I I I certainly did. And would I do it again? I don't know. I mean, there Mm -hmm. is a side of me that is just, you know, that true romantic, as I said prior. But the business side of me, the attorney side of me, at this point in my life, would probably say check, please. Yeah, (laughs) I, I would probably check out because I've gone through it. I've gone through the wars. I've been beaten up on both sides. So I probably would walk away from a situation in my 50s, right. in, my tw- in my 20s. Absolutely not. I, would, I did. Mm-hmm. I jumped right in.
2: All right. So I'm going to answer the question a little differently. I'm going to say, if you're in your 20s and you're the guy and you make more money, you say, let's live together and not get married. If you're the woman or there's another guy that's great. Right, if, if it's a it's same-sex marriage, I would say I'm walking. So I guess it really depends on the circumstance and, and who makes the money and who doesn't.
1: Yeah, but the flip mm-hmm. side of that, Vicky, is, is, is right now I'm in a relationship for almost four years where, you know, four years together, we could certainly say, okay, it's great. We love each other. You know, let's solidify this and get married. And we, we both are taking the position that why? Why get married? Why deal with the prenup? Why deal with any of that stuff? You know, I'm independent. She's independent. We both have our own children. There's no, uh, and again, agreeing with Vicky here, just at the later stages, there's no reason for us to get married at this point. There is no reason for us to deal with prenups.
2: Right. But doesn't society tell you when you're young, like, this is what you do. You get married and you have kids. And I think that's Lindsay's audience is, you know, listening and saying like, well, I don't know. Should I? enter into a prenup? Like, is that what I should do? Should I just get into a cohab agreement and just live together? I want to have kids. We want to be Mr. And Mrs. Or Mrs. And Mrs. Right. So, I mean, that's the question. And I think the answer is, does it work for you? Like what's your circumstance? Because it's hard to sign a prenup where you get nothing in the event of divorce and you got to deal with that.
1: Yeah. But in your twenties, I can walk away from a marriage and a prenup right now but it's a tougher decision in your 20s because you haven't had children yet. You're certainly more optimistic about the future. You you know, you know want to get married, you want to have kids and you you want that white picket fence and live happily ever after. So it's a tougher, tougher thing to walk away from in your 20s. Now yeah, it's a lot I, easier for me.
0: I think for better or for worse, society still has that hold on a lot of us that makes us feel like we can't start having a family until we've gotten married. And, you know, I think even even friends of mine who had babies during the pandemic without having been married have now legalized it and gotten married. So I think there is this pressure, whether it's a good thing or not, that you have to be married if you're going to start a family. I think if you're not going to have kids, it doesn't really matter what you do just societally. Right. But I think when, when there's like starting a family involved, people feel as if they need to be married still. Parents feel as if their kid needs to be legal to be a, you know, a mother and something like that. I just feel like that's still very much a thing.
2: Yeah. And I think people need to know that there's options. And it doesn't have to always be that way. And I think a lot of millennials are living together and not actually getting married yet. Children create a different, you know, type of pressure and in a different circumstance. And that's something to talk about. But I see a lot of people that haven't gotten married found somebody that are either in the same sex category that just, you know, they you today you can, you know, go purchase eggs and and sperm and you can have a baby and you don't have to get married. And I see that being a trend now, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, me too. I've seen it a lot.
1: But as a parent, I think there's a double standard also. As a parent, and I have two children, I have a son and a daughter. My son is 27 years old and he is in no rush to settle down. I'm happy to see him work hard and play hard. My daughter is 23 and I look at it a little bit differently and I don't think I'd be very happy with her living in a situation or having children without being married. So yeah. there is that you know, parental viewpoint. Yeah.
0: All right. So now going to, from marriage to divorce, have you ever felt like a couple gave up too early on their marriage?
2: Definitely. Definitely. I think it's easier sometimes to just end it and figure out how to get divorced Than putting in the work and going to therapy and trying to figure out, like, hey, what's really wrong? Like, we love each other, but you know, this isn't working or you're not communicating, you're not coming home, you're working too hard. You want to go out with your friends, you're partying. So, yeah, I think it's hard to stay in a relationship and really dig deep to like our childhood wounds. And I've seen so many people. It's the first thing I say to say to my potential clients, are you still in love? Can your marriage be saved? Because if so, you need to go to these therapists and go on your merry way. I'm not a divorce starter. I I finish the finish it, but I'm not here to to create more problems. And I think a lot of people are scared to kind of dig deep, and it's just easier for them to be like let's end it and just move on.
1: Yeah, ego plays a big part of that as well, I think.
0: Have you ever seen a couple like fall in love through the divorce process and be like oh forget it, like I just want to be with them?
2: Oh, yeah, reconciling. Oh my god, it happens quite a lot. I've also married and divorced three people in my career, which I thought was wild, like Crazy, cantankerous divorces. Like I was, I was in a mediation once, and a coke can came flying, and like it, it was nuts. And then they're like, they got divorced, and they called me back. They're like, the wife was like, "We're getting married again." I was like, "What? You, you guys were like insane. killing each other?" Yeah, we like we realized that we're just hot blooded, and we just like didn't know how to deal with our emotions, and we just love each other. And you know what? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And in that case, yeah. So I've definitely seen people.
1: Was You're that one of your the- New Jersey housewives,
0: Vicky?
2: not that <laughs> particular case, but yes, I, I have represented several of the housewives, and I think people sometimes, when they realize there's finality to a divorce, they get nervous and like, okay, you know what? Maybe we can make this work. And I, you know, I like it. I think it's pretty cool as long as you know they're doing it for the right reasons, not just like, oh my god, I'm gonna have no money. Let me just stay right. in this marriage, right? It's actually that I, we love each other and, and we want to make it work. And I'll forgive you because you cheated on me because it was a symptom, not a cause of the relationship breakdown.
0: What are the top five reasons that you see people getting divorced? Or you can give me like top three if that's easier.
2: Yeah, I, look, I think money is a huge problem factor. Losing a job, overspending, right? I think it's that's the first thing I see. I see. Number two, communication. I feel like people don't know how to communicate properly. And I'm seeing it all the time. It's like you have a problem with somebody. It's like, not F you. It's like you hurt my feelings and please, you know, can you improve? So that breakdown of communication dissolves the respect, dissolves the loyalty, dissolves, you know, your ability to want to be together. And I think that's a big, big problem. I think getting married for the wrong reasons is my number three. I think people kind of fall in love for looks. Sometimes it's like somebody, you know, buys you nice gifts. You don't look into the family enough. You don't really get to know the person. And you just jump on board and like, let's do this. You know, maybe we're attracted to each other physically. And I just think that they're not really thinking of the future. And that really
1: hurts people in the long run. And to add to that, Lindsay, not just that they didn't know the other person. In my situation, I feel I didn't know myself at that point. I met my ex-wife when she was 17 and I was 20. And I was young. You know, I was married young and Again, she was pretty. We were having a great time. Let's get married and have a family. It was that simple. You know, I didn't, I had no idea who I was. I had I really didn't even know what my goals were in life. I really was a kid. And I, I think, and I think we addressed this before for a moment, the maturity, you know, you just, when you start looking at things from a more of a mature view, and when you really know yourself and what's important to you you got so much of a better chance to stay in that marriage and to make it work. But if you don't know yourself, it's, it's just, it's not happening.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's why I think there's no rush in getting married young at all. Speaking <laughs> of young and marriage, do you think that Gen Z and like the upcoming generations are going to have less divorce because they seem to be getting married a little bit later? Or do you think that there's still the same risks?
2: I think the same risks exist. I think people are living together and not getting married quicker. So I think that would impact the divorce rate. But I feel like, look, we're humans and and it's tough to be in a relationship. I don't know about Lindsay, you may be in like in wedded bliss still, which is awesome. But you know, look, real life happens. Somebody passes away, you know, you lose a job. Things happen and your marital foundation can, can sway and you have to be strong individually. You have to be strong together. And it's tough. So I don't think relationship issues are going away. I don't think divorce is going away, unfortunately. And I think it's just getting smarter about who you are, dealing with your issues, going to therapy when you need to, and you know, hitting things head on so that you can you know, have a, a long-term marriage. I mean, nobody gets into a marriage to get divorced, right? right? So it's like, how do we figure out the panacea for everybody that's young to, to say, okay, well, I don't want to be that statistic. So help me. And that just starts with within and and how you were raised and and dealing with your issues because we all have baggage.
1: But it's tougher on these kids, I think, in these generations, mainly because of social media, which we didn't have. Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. I mean, I'm on these apps every day and the girls I see, the guys I see on these sites, they're just putting themselves out there. We didn't have that. Again, it goes down to the opportunity and, and then the dating sites that we didn't have.
2: Right, but I also think you know what, Brian. It's like more and Lindsay. It's like, it's like they don't talk. Nobody communicates. Texting right. is not communication. Like, get yeah. in person, and that's I think that's the problem. It's like this is what I look like. It's not a filter. Like that's to me the gens and like the the problems that that everybody I'm seeing has because they don't even know what you look like. They don't really know who you are. You can put in a bio anything, and there's no authenticity anymore.
0: Right, the like physical component of connection, not even sexual. All right, two more questions. Are there any divorces that truly come as a complete shock? And maybe it's like a public divorce that we can all discuss, or something that you've dealt with, you know, privately in your profession. Hmm. I feel like I, it's question. hard to,
2: yeah, it's hard to surprise me, but because I've heard like some really wild stories over the years. I definitely think I've seen people that I thought were rock solid from the outside, and when they call me, they're like, "Vicky, I need to talk to you." I'm like. Oh my god.
1: Mm-hmm. Is everyone okay?
2: Yes, everyone's okay. Is, is are you getting divorced? Yes, I need to talk to you. So I I have definitely seen that a lot in people I represent a lot of people I know. So it also is a little it, it's it is shocking when you think they're in a good space, but mm. you know what I always say, you never know what's going on behind closed doors ever. You just don't. And you to don't. pretend you do is a joke. So you know, a lot of people want to pretend to the outside world and when they're with their friends, like everything's fine. And, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a couple celebrities, divorces now, and, you know, sometimes you can see the writing on the wall before they see it. It's like they hooked up for, you know, whatever reason, sex and, and partying and this kind of thing. And then it's like, no, it's not going to last. So why get married? What people do. And then it just, it just ends in a bit of a disaster.
0: Yeah. What's your last question? What's your number one piece of advice for women specifically in divorces? From both of you, actually,
1: it's a great question as well. I would say, as Vicky mentioned, I, I I think the independence is so critical pre-divorce and even post-divorce. You know, educating themselves through the marriage so they're not surprised on the finances, so they know where their money is being spent. So they know what the credit card charges look like. I, I think it's those surprises or lack of education in those in, in the finance side that makes things incredibly difficult for these women.
2: Mm. Yeah. And I would say, shelf the emotion and look at it as a business deal. The more you can do that and take the emotion out of what you're about to go through, as hard as it is, go to therapy, talk to your friends, whoever it may be, your priest or rabbi, Look at the divorce like this is a business deal, and and I, most women I know are savvy businesswomen, and they have the ability right. to do it. So if you can do that, you will be much better suited, all around, emotionally and financially, to get through a tough a tough divorce.
1: Love agreed. it. Agreed. Take the advice of your attorneys if you're at that point where you where you're both represented by attorneys. Take the advice. Don't fight with your own attorney.
0: Yeah, agree. Hire
1: them for a reason.
0: Brian and Vicki, it's been so great chatting with you. Can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice? Just one last piece of advice that we can take with us.
1: I think communication is everything. And if you're at the point where you are going to settle down, you are going to get married, you've got to be best friends. Make sure you are.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I have so many pieces of advice that I love to what tell What was the people? every dark cloud? Every dark cloud has a silver lining. And I feel like everyone needs to always remember that you're going through a tough patch. It's going to be okay. The sun's going to come out and learn from every experience, whether it's negative or positive.
0: I love it. Guys, where can everyone find you and listen to your podcast and maybe get a divorce?
1: So you can certainly find us on our podcast. It's the Naked Encore podcast. And then you could find me at BK at Brian Krause Law. Happy to chat about anything. You know, I'm a great guy to bounce ideas off of. If you're going through a tough time, I'd love to walk you off of that ledge and into a happier life.
0: Oh, that's sweet.
2: Yeah, and Vicky Ziegler as my handle on Instagram, V-I-K-K-I Ziegler and Facebook and everywhere you can find me, Twitter, whatever, if anyone's even on Twitter anymore. Listen to The Naked Encore. We really help people going through tough times and breakups. And Lindsay, you are awesome. Love
0: you guys. Thank you so much. I'll uh, I'll let you know if I want to do that uh, (laughs) post-nup situation.
2: I'm here. Anybody look, this is what I do. prenup, post-nup, divorce, marriage. You want to talk, you have questions. We're always here. Well, any of your listeners can, can reach out to us at any time. Love it. Thank you guys.